All right, friends, it's hoop ball promo time. This is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league all right friends it's hoop ball promo time this is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league the following is a hoop ball presentation Football family, back at it again with your NBA box score breakdown. As always, it's your host, David, back in the booth, excited to talk hoops. Uh, We've got some championship contention in the mix right now. We are in the final round before the finals. Eastern Western Conference championship rounds. Brent, how excited are you, man? I'm, I'm geeked right now. Oh, man, I am super excited to talk basketball. I haven't got to talk basketball all week. Um, this is my first day to do it, so I am definitely hyped. Uh, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Well, hey, let's get Brent. Let's get, get get busy over here with Brent. So let's let's dive right into it, man. I mean, last night, you know, game two, we had the Miami Heat pull out a win over the Boston Celtics, 106-101. Uh, really, really good game, um, in my opinion, pretty much throughout the entirety of the 48 minutes. You could make an argument, though, that, you know, midway through the third quarter there, or I guess kind of at the start of the third quarter, uh, the Celtics fell a little bit asleep at the wheel, and Miami was really giving it to them. They were really exploiting them with that out-of-bio pick-and-roll, really making Miami make it, or I'm sorry, making Boston make a decision on uh, how they were going to play that. And Miami was able to come out with the big win down the stretch um, from heads-up defensive plays from guys like Jimmy Butler, uh, guys getting down and scrappy and not afraid to sacrifice their body. I saw a quote from Adebayo that the, the Miami Heat's mantra for the bubble has been give up your body for the bubble. And I mean, it, it, it has paid dividends for him. What are, what are your reactions from last night's game? Yeah, I hear, uh, you know, I hear you on Jimmy Butler and, and what he brings to this team. It's, and that's exactly what's missing from Boston. They don't really seem to have that, 
that leader. And it, and it sounds like, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this in a little bit, but it sounds like Marcus Smart is trying to be that guy. I feel like Jason Tatum should be that guy, but I don't know if he's there yet confidence-wise to uh, be able to lead them like Jimmy. He doesn't have the same swagger that that Jimmy has just yet. And I, I bet they were hoping that Kemba could be that veteran superstar presence that everybody listened to. But I don't know that that Kemba is a leader like that. He's more of a lead by example on the floor kind of guy and doesn't seem to be as vocal. And and remember, this is from an outsider looking in perspective. So uh, take that for what you will. But just from what I see, it doesn't appear that that he's that that guy. And and so Boston, it ends up Boston ends up looking like a, a team with just a bunch of pieces put together, like really great players. I mean, they wouldn't be this far, this competitive if they weren't, but they don't have that cohesion that a team like Miami has or a team like uh, the Nuggets have. And, and Doc Rivers even said after after that loss, and, and we'll talk about that game too, I'm sure, um, that you know they they didn't they didn't play together as a team. And a lot of people were like, "Yeah, Doc, whatever." You know, you just did making excuses. But there is a lot to be said for that um, for for playing together as a group. It was something that the Warriors had, and a reason you know their whole title run and dynasty started was because of what was built there, the the team, the camaraderie. It's what was so infectious that that made Kevin Durant, you know, uh, bail on on new on bail on the thunder uh, to come there and risk, you know, risk his own reputation uh, to go play with these guys. And why a lot of veterans and, and people have taken less money to go play there, because that type of mentality is is contagious. And I see I see a lot of that warrior team that, that I watched, uh, for years as, you know, from the Bay area, um, you know, I see a lot of that in the Miami heat, honestly, uh, they Butler, they even have Igudala <laughs> who was, who was there with the warriors. And I wonder if you asked Igudala if, if he would say that he feels a lot of that, that same, that same, uh, mentality there where it's, you know, everybody's got everybody's back. Um, they understand who the leader is. They trust them. Uh, you know, they play with a lot of heart. Uh, they never give up. They're never out of a game. And Boston, it doesn't have doesn't have that right now. And maybe, you know, maybe a couple of years playing with Kemba, maybe Hayward. Maybe they're missing Hayward a lot. Obviously, it'd be nice to see if they had Hayward. Maybe that's the difference. Having that having him there, um, you know, because they they're, they don't really have much of a bench. They ha- they're not really scary at all off the bench. They have decent role players off the bench, but they don't have anybody who's going to come in and and play hard and kill you like Miami does. My, Miami has some killers coming off the bench. So that's kind of where I see the difference being that that cohesion that Miami plays with uh, their, their bench, the bench talent that they have. They have, you know, none. And these other guys who can score really well off the bench, um, you know, and they, they just match up really well with anybody uh, size wise. Uh, they can match up with anybody uh, speed wise. They can match up with anyone. And I don't know, man, I Boston's in big trouble. I know we've seen Denver come back from a couple three, one deficits. That doesn't happen every day. And, you know, Boston, I bet I bet I would bet Boston gets this next one and, and starts to make it a series. But they're going to have a hard time um, winning four more before Miami wins, too. Yeah, you know, they've really got their work cut out for them. And unfortunately for the Celtics, um, they are now the ones trying to dig themselves out of a two hole. It's curious to see what adjustments <clears throat> the Celtics make, in my opinion, because it looked like they were severely lacking adjustments, uh, specifically in the third quarter. You know, you, you yeah. saw Miami come out. And like you said, you know, Miami is hard nosed. They're tough. They're gritty. The culture there is a championship culture. I mean, you got Pat Riley and his his big bag of rings. I mean, for those of you who don't know, in the in the meeting initially when they were trying to bring Chris Bosh to Miami uh, to build the Heatles with LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, he's Pat Riley set Chris Bosh down in a meeting with a little satin bag of championship rings, poured out about nine of them, gave <laughs> Chris Bosh one and said, don't worry, Chris, you're going to get plenty more when you come to Miami. And I mean, the rest is history, you know? So yeah. Riley has high expectations. Spalestra is an incredible coach and you see how he constantly is reinventing and 
kind of re-engineering, reverse engineering what other teams, opposing offenses and defense will try to do to his squad and, you know, kind of really make them look silly. And a perfect example of that is the third quarter. You know, Boston was coming out really, really aggressive, trying to switch everything, really trying to put the emphasis on running shooters off of the line. And Miami came out with a pick and roll and they really made Boston make a decision on the pick and roll with with Dragic, with Butler. They're saying, yep. hey, are you going to roll? Are you going to dive to the hoop and make sure Bam out of bio doesn't go bam, bam on top of you? Or are you going to stay tight on the weak side and stay on the hip of a shooter like Duncan Robinson, like Tyler Hero? I mean, like Jay Crowder lately. Jay Crowder has been in fuego. And unfortunately for the Boston Celtics, they chose to play the perimeter instead of protect the post. And Bam Adebayo absolutely punished them. I mean, punished them. There has been... There's been no answer for this guy, and <laughs> me and Doug talked a little bit offline during the game because, uh, you know, I was giving this boy Enes Cantor a whole lot of crap uh, for his inability to contribute outside of an offensive perspective, and then he showed up in the first half, and he played some pretty solid minutes. Uh, it looks like he was he getting did. out of bio a little bit of trouble there, so interesting to see what the Celtics do. I think not only from a defensive perspective, but offensively, that that heat zone as I like to call it, the the spo zone, the spo zone layer <laughs> has, has really been has really been giving the Boston Celtics fits. I mean, you would think that they had figured it out after Toronto just zoned them t- to hell in the second round, man, and, and they have not made the adjustment. So it's a it's a point where you're wondering if Brad Stevens is going to make one. And as you said, you know, Boston seems to lack that natural floor general that leader um i think for tatum it will come it will just come with time and experience sure. uh you know marcus smart is a guy who's very very um feisty to say the least and uh for those of our for those of our listeners who don't know uh last night it looks like a little bit of that uh that tenacity spilled off into the locker room because post game we had a series of tweets going out from uh, gary washburn uh, describing how Marcus uh, Marcus Smart was screaming in the Celtics locker room, and there's a bunch of arguing going on. Um, Smart was saying a bunch of his teammates were on quote unquote BS. Um, shortly thereafter, you could hear items um, and some other things being thrown around, and a lot of yelling. Uh, all reports after that were that the Celtics locker room was incredibly tense. None of the guys made themselves available really for the media. Marcus Smart specifically did not. Uh, and then Brad Stevens and the coaching staff called off their practice that it was supposed to be scheduled for today. Not necessarily what you want to have go down in the 48 hours before you try to dig yourself out of a 2-0 deficit in the yeah. Eastern Conference Championship. Um, but who knows? You know, maybe this is a situation where that that attitude from Marcus Smart, you know, this situation wakes guys up and really puts the emphasis on them because, I mean, it is do or die. You know, Miami is they're licking their lips. They are so close. They're two games away and they are 10 and one. In NBA bubble, okay, they Amazing. are not to be tampered with. They are no joke. These guys clearly are playing for each other and not for themselves. And at times, I think you can wonder if the Boston Celtics are doing the same thing. At times, you have to wonder, when does Brad Stevens grab these guys by the jersey and say, hey, Daniel Tice, you need to stop one-on-one ISOing with Bam Adebayo, hey, Jalen Brown, you need to be more present when these guys are diving and crashing the boards because as you, one of the bigger, more athletic bodies that we have on the wing, we need you getting those rebounds. We, we need those bodies crashing the rim because my, Boston does not have the the front court that that Miami does, that, that a lot of these teams do. And I mean, it was very, very evident in the box score with the differential in, in rebounding. I mean, yep it's it's not it's not looking great right now for the Boston Celtics but this as you said you know this is a championship pedigree team granted they have not necessarily been here before with this same team more or less um but i think that Boston has that championship culture similar to the heat and it will ultimately be a question of whose strategy and execution pays off more because i don't think you have to worry about either one of these coaches getting the most out of their rosters yeah, no, I'll, I love all those points you made. You're totally right. It's it's weird because Brad Stevens gets so much hype for being this amazing coach, and he really isn't adjusting. And you wonder, It's pr- my guess is that he just doesn't have the personnel 
to make the adjustments that he needs to make. Their bench is really awful. Like it's 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 terrible. I can't believe they made it this far. That's why it's killing them not to have Hayward. I mean, they really have no one off the bench. I mean, Cantor gave them nine. Wanamaker gave them seven. And then the three other guys who got minutes, nothing, no points, no rebounds, no like Ojale had zeros across the board in eight minutes. Um, that's, that's just, you can't, you're not going to win like that. And, you know, if they lost this game with how, how Kemba Walker was playing, this was Kemba, one of Kemba's best games and they still lost. So that, that's where, that's what spells trouble for me. Cause if you switch over to the Miami bench, you know, looking at the box scores, you got Tyler hero, almost triple doubling off the bench. He had 11 points, nine boards, five assists. And he's scary out there when he missed. He was one for eight from three, but every one of them looks like they're going in. So you can't leave him. Uh, you got uh, Kelly Olynyk has been giving them great minutes off the bench. Igudala just being out there making the hustle plays. Uh, great minutes. Kendrick Nunn, um, he's a scary scorer. Not great. Only got five minutes, though, but still gave him a couple rebounds, a couple assists. At least these guys are, are contributing when they come in. Um, you know, Miami starters were, were unbelievable. Bam was, was great as he's been. So where is Boston going to find the answer for these guys? Because when Duncan Crowder, you know, sorry, Duncan Crowder, when Duncan Robinson's going six for 12 from three, you, but you have to leave Bam out of bio or Jimmy Butler or Goran Dragic to go guard him. (laughs) I mean, what are you supposed to do? Um, you know, they're just, they're just on fire right now and it's more than Boston can handle. And unless Boston gets it from, uh, I don't know, like Robert Williams is probably their only other option to try to throw at bam, uh, and, and hope he can give them some decent minutes, but they just don't have it. And if, if Gordon Hayward's not going to be back in the next three or four games, this thing's going to be over. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the return of Gordon Hayward is is something that cannot be overstated enough as far as it, its importance goes. And, you know, fortunately and ironically, uh, now that you mentioned that, you know, there was a little bit of news earlier today uh, in regards to that uh, from our boy Woj, um, <clears throat> basically saying that, yeah, it's looking like Gordon Hayward is going to be available um, potentially. He's questionable currently for game three on Miami. So that's a real indicator that he's probably going to return since last game. He was doubtful. And before that, all the games he had just been out. Yeah. Um, so hopefully this is a that's a good sign to come for Boston because because they desperately need him. And like you said, I mean, semi Ojale is semi. Oh, no way, because it, it's <laughs> like you, you are you are playing guys who are, are you know, far from proven um, oh, in yeah. big moments and offensively very limited. Uh, you know, I think you like what, you know, a Grant Williams or semi Ojale could potentially do, given their size, uh, their switchability. Um, you know, some, some some relative defensive versatility, but offensively, I mean, these are guys who cannot really carry water in high level right. playoff series like this. And and these are the guys who Boston's really leaning on. I mean, good God, I did not realize until last night Brad Wanamaker was the oldest guy on the Boston Celtics. Yeah. I mean, I mean and what is he, he's 30? Getting, yeah, 30. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is a very young team. Um, and Miami has a lot of guys who, I mean, throughout their career have kind of played with chips on their shoulders. Um, these are, these are gritty, tough guys. I mean, even the guys who are, you know, relatively unknown you know, Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero is a guy who made the decision to go to a, a Kentucky instead of going to Wisconsin where he's from and was vilified for it on a level that you would compare most pro athletes go through. And I mean, this is a prep basketball player. So that's some real adversity that he had to handle, you know, at the at the start, the onset of his, you know, basketball career, truly. And then Duncan Robinson, this is a guy who was a D3 All-American. This yeah. is a guy who went to Michigan on a walk-on scholarship, basically, and ended up, you know, being one of the best three-point shooters and scorers the Michigan Wolverines have ever seen. And, I mean, there's a long list of guys there. Like, I mean, plenty, yeah. plenty of alumni there. And, and Duncan Robinson Glenn is on Rice. The- yeah. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, Fab Five. I mean, even more recently, Stauskas. I mean, he broke Stauskas' three-point record. And we all remember how Nick Stauskas could only shoot threes. I mean, good yeah. God. Was that good Mo Wagner? He was, wasn't he there? Was, yeah, was, absolutely. Was I mean, shooting, the, the yeah. Wolverines. Yeah, man, the Wolverines have had some really, really good players. And Duncan Robinson is just another person on that list. Um, so I really look to see what, what Boston is going to do. Because, as I said, you know, I think when we talked last – I, I was leaning more towards the Celtics with with the contingent to that being that Gordon Hayward is back before this series. 
gets out of hand. And, you know, I'm wondering if the series has already, unfortunately, reached that point. Um, but anything can happen. You know, game three, Gordon Hayward comes back. Yeah, there's going to be some rust. But most importantly, I mean, Gordon Hayward is a big body. People forget Gordon Hayward's like 6'8". I mean, this is a this is a oh, yeah. This is a big body. He's, he was playing body. really well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we're never probably going to see the the Gordon Hayward we saw in the Utah Jazz, which is unfortunate. Um, but Gordon Hayward is still a very, very good NBA player. I mean, this is this is yep. a guy who should not be taken lightly whatsoever. He can rebound. He can defend multiple positions. He can play make. And really, more importantly than anything in the playoffs, as we've seen time and time again, you need playmakers and shot creators. You just do. And yep. that's what happened in the fourth quarter in this Miami-Boston game where, I mean, it really turned into a rock fight. You know, guys were not making anything, and it became a situation where it's who can create the offense because the offense yep. turned to dead air. So, yeah, Brad Stevens has got his work cut out for him. Um, the, the Celtics fans are, you know, not, not going to let this go if they go belly up right on the cusp of, you know, what is probably looking like their best shot at a championship in a, in a while. I mean, you know, you, you, you look at the path that they've already gone through and what they have left to overcome. I mean, it, it's right there for the taking and Miami sees that as well too. So yeah, I said, you know, it's going to come down to real coaching execution, in my opinion, with the rest of the series, but Boston, I mean, Boston's got to be worried. Yeah, I mean, usually with a 2-0 lead, you wouldn't you wouldn't totally count someone out um, because you, normally it happens because you get the home court team winning going up 2-0. Um, but in this case, there's no home court advantage. I, you know, I don't care how much music I don't care if you chant defense for one team over the other. That doesn't make it home court advantage like playing in the Boston Garden or down in Miami or something like that. Uh, so there really is no home court advantage. So 2-0 is a lot bigger than it, than it normally is. Um, and in this case, I mean, what Boston probably was the home court, right? I'm not, I don't, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I'm assuming they were the home court based off regular season records. And, and so they're down Oh two after the home court advantage. Um, so I, I guess it probably works in their favor that they don't have to go to Miami now down two Oh, although they are in Florida, but, uh, it's not the same. Uh, so I, I think that it's not over. I think the the no home court advantage leaves any team that's down 2-0. They have a chance uh, because, they're, you know, no team gets to go home for a closeout game or something like that. That's probably a big reason why this was the season that a team like the Nuggets were able to come back from 3-1 two series in a row because uh, there was no home court advantage for those closeout games for the, for the other teams. They don't have that extra hype, that extra general in that you normally have for that type of game. And the nuggets took advantage. And I think that's if Boston has anything going for them, it's the no home court advantage for Miami to be able to close this out. Getting Gordon Hayward back is going to be big because one, he's a big body who can help you defend out on the perimeter against a Duncan Robinson on that pick and roll. But he's also another guy who can be in there at the end of the game who can shoot the ball. Just like you said, he gives you someone who can score because they have nobody outside of that top five. Well, really out of their top four that can score. And Marcus smarts, not really known as a scorer. So they really only have three guys that are, that are really proven scorers in the NBA and Hor uh, Hayward gives them that, that fourth, which is going to be huge. So don't count out Boston. Uh, I I still think that they're going to probably win game three, which is going to make this a whole new series going to change the what everyone's talking about, just like it always does, especially if they if they're able to win big and Hayward comes back and he's able to give them 10 to 15 minutes and they're able to pull it out. If Miami does pull out this game three win, I don't I'm not seen any nuggets magic from Denver or from from Boston. Denver had Denver has a special team who's played together a really long time, come up together. They're perfectly suited to to come back from 3-1, especially when you have a dominant big man like Jokic who can do it all. Boston doesn't have that guy. Um and and they don't have that that camaraderie that a team like Denver has, so they must win game 3 or this thing's over. Yeah, it's there's there's so many storylines to follow. And I think that the biggest takeaway that we can kind of have from the bubble with all the, you know, the emergence of, you know, maybe um, 
names that were not as familiar, not as household names before are going to be more household names now. You know, like Bam, your Bam out of bios. Uh, you saw that earlier in the Bible with your TJ Warrens. You know, the, the the big takeaway, in my opinion, from a lot of this bubble play should be that the teams who really play like they have everything to lose are the ones that continue to advance, you know, and the teams that have kind of, I don't want to say enter the bubble with arrogance, but maybe that have been a little bit more favored, um, have not shown up, you know, it seems to be. And I think a lot of it is, you know, these, it's, it's the cohesion. Like you said, it's that, it's that team chemistry and, with, you know, a team like Miami, I mean, this is an incredibly close-knit squad, and they are by no means, you know, um, a team that has been together for a while. But you can see the camaraderie. I mean, these are guys who actually hang out with each other off the court. That matters. Yep. I think the same thing can be said for Boston. Now, granted, I think that it's more – Boston's issue is more youth, I think, than cohesion. But this is a team who is incredibly close. And, I mean, even after the kind of blow-up in the locker room last night – um, some of the comments from Jalen Brown were talking about, you know, that's why we love Marcus, you know, because he brings that energy and mentality to the game, you know, to the locker room, to our team. So I think when you see stuff like that, and I mean, a- another perfect example, the Phoenix Suns. I mean, good God, the Phoenix Suns had nothing to lose in this bubble. Nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. But they played like they had everything to lose. They played hard every single game because I think for them it was, a, you know, a statement. It was yeah. a we're not, we not a joke. And I think for a lot of these teams – when we came into the bubble, all the conversation was around, you know, the preemptive favorites. And that's because we hadn't had eyes on guys for months. I mean, for months, you know, we, we were locked into our Milwaukee Bucks out of the East and our battle for LA out West. You know, we, we did not take into consideration how the time off and then the time in the bubble would impact these games. And, you know, point being, I mean, the Clippers, this is a team who just never figured it out. They just never had that cohesion, that that collaborative factor. And it showed. It showed time and time again where they just dropped games they should have won. You know, and in the Dallas series they were able to pull it out. But I mean you could make the argument Porzingis is healthy, then they don't even make it out of the first round. Who knows? Oh yeah. Yeah. Who knows? And I think that that just means so much when you are able to really develop and build a culture. And you're able to maintain that. And with teams like the Denver Nuggets, um, they have done that. They've been able to maintain their roster for the most part. I mean, for Denver, it kind of became an issue of, you know, your your roster is too rich. You know, you had to get rid of Malik Beasley and send him out to uh, Minnesota, really, because, I mean, that guy's about to be a free agent. Probably going to get a pretty solid contract out of Minnesota. I mean, same thing happened with Nurkic. You know, they had to make that call. Do we keep Nurkic as our starting center or do we bring this big pudgy guy named Nikola Jokic off the bench and start starting him at center. And as we know, the rest is history. And Nurkic is by no means, you know, a center to turn your nose up at. I mean, this guy, oh, yeah. five, this guy gets five by fives in his sleep. Okay, you could have so, a great I mean, starting five with X nuggets. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so there's something to be said about those teams who really double down on the importance of culture and the values of hard work and determination in the locker room. And you see it really paying dividends here in the bubble. So shout out to all the coaches and programs who who really, really instill that in their players. And I hope that you continue to do so, because in a league where guys are constantly changing teams and positions, it's nice to be able to see some continuity from some of these front offices here. So I think that's something we can both appreciate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And and seeing guys um, like Antic, I guess Giannis is the next big one. Like, is he going to stick around with Milwaukee and keep trying to build something there? Or is he going to jump to a winner? And I think that's the next like big test we have coming up. And and that'll be interesting to see what he does. But I think. I think what like the nuggets are showing um, what Miami's showing is you can really build a winner from, from the inside by keeping guys together. And you, you just add that one piece like Jimmy Butler. Now, look, Jimmy doesn't get the same heat that a guy like Durant got, you know, but Jimmy, you know, forced his way out of Minnesota. Uh, well, forced his way out of Chicago, forced his way out of Minnesota, forced his way out of Philly, real kind of, um, but for some reason, you know, everyone's sort of sympathetic to Jimmy for what he's doing. But then what Kevin Durant did was totally wrong. I I mean, maybe because Jimmy's not going to the team that just came off, you know, winning a championship and then losing a, in the championship game and, and beating his team to do it. I mean, Kevin Durant had a lot working against uh, his decision. Um, 
but I don't fault him. I mean, I'm a warrior fan, so I can't, I was super excited, but so maybe I'm too biased to talk on it, but, <laughs> uh, but, but I, I couldn't, I was pinching myself thinking that's my team that these guys are high choosing <laughs> all the, all this controversies about my team. Um, I couldn't believe it, but now, uh, you know, Jimmy, you know, these teams are short. So these teams are showing that if you build a strong foundation and you attract that, that top talent, um, you can, you can turn that franchise into a winner and Denver Denver's done it without even having to get that big free agent. So they're even more of a Marvel, you know, they're, they're the warriors before, you know, Kevin Durant got there. That's sort of how I view them. And I also see the heat. And so seeing a heat nugget final, I would love that. That would be, that would be two teams who's really built things from the inside, uh, from the inside out and, and just have really good management, good coaching, good game plan. And they show that that's how you can win. And it's not going out and stealing uh, a LeBron and an AD or a, a Kawhi and a, and a Paul George. And honestly, I mean, you kind of give Boston a lot of credit for that too. That I, I think some pe- sometimes people forget that Boston has, has done it the right way too for a really long time. Um, and I think they've been doing it for so long and they make it look so easy that it's sort of like James, how James Harden gets overlooked for how good he is offensively. You just sort of, or Russ Westbrook did for his triple doubles, averaging a triple double. You just sort of, you just sort of get used to it and it doesn't seem as special anymore. So I think Boston's kind of fallen into that trap, but Boston deserves a ton of credit for their organization and what they've built. And I'm really excited about the, these last four teams. Obviously, it's always great when LeBron's there. It's great to see AD get a potential shot at, at going to a championship. When great players get that chance, it, it's always exciting, no matter how it ended up happening. But if we ended up with a Denver-Boston or Denver-Miami championship game, I would be so thrilled uh, for the NBA, for franchises that that maybe we're a little bummed out. They didn't win the Kawhi sweepstakes, uh, you know, that don't worry, you could do it. You could build, you can build it up and get there. You just have to do it the right way. And you have to, and it starts in the front office and works its way down and, and it can be done. Uh, so I, I hope that gives those teams a lot of hope and I hope it makes Giannis stay in Milwaukee and, and try to build a team there. I think it's good for basketball, but, uh, you know, we'll see, but I think either way we're in for a great championship, no matter who gets there. And, and uh, very excited for that game tonight. Oh, yeah, we're definitely in for some high-level basketball going forward, which I think everybody can be really excited about. And, yeah, you know, to the credit of the Denver Nuggets, they have really, really done a good job building and maintaining that that culture that they have over there uh, in a market where, you know, a lot of their fans haven't even necessarily been able to see all of their games all the time. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because, you know, Denver is is not, you know, an obscure sports market by any means. So you kind of wonder what's going on with there with that. But, um, yeah, it's I, I wonder what the Denver Nuggets next steps are. You know, obviously, the next step is taking care of this series against the Lakers, whether they win or lose, you know, just coming out and playing hard and competing, which I don't necessarily have doubts about with the with the Denver Nuggets, because time and time again, they have showed that they can compete um, and then they will absolutely fight. I'm curious to see what the Nuggets do depending on how all this shakes out in the postseason, you know, because they've had a lot of great play from guys, for example, like Michael Porter juniors um, kind of showing the talent that they have. Does Denver make an attempt in a package to potentially move one of those guys for a uh, Brad Beal for uh, you know, ex free agent uh, this off season to really put themselves in firmly in that championship conversation. I mean, I think, by no means can we hold them out of championship contention on a season to season basis at this point, because they were one game away from getting to the Western conference finals last year. And here they are lo and behold, one season later in the conference finals. So, I mean, mile high city in the sky is definitely the limit for Denver. So you really, really got to love what they're doing. Uh, Murray and Jokic is such a, such an ideal pairing. Um, Jokic possibly the best passing big man ever, which just made it, even more infuriating when the Clippers just constantly doubled this man. It's like, God, yeah. Doc Rivers. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, he's going to beat you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to pass yeah. out. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think the the real thing I'm looking most forward to between the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers out of the series would be just the fact that both superstars on the team, obviously Anthony Davis is a superstar all in his own right. I'm speaking more specifically about the king, you know, LeBron yeah. James. 
I'm very, very excited to see how both LeBron James and Nikola Jokic are able to really impact their team because these are two guys who I think more so than most superstars have the unique ability to make everybody around them play up to their level. Uh, they get the best out of their teammates because they empower their teammates to make the right decision. They put them in the right positions. They always make the right play. Um, and, and that confidence is infectious. And I think, unfortunately for the Houston Rockets, that was the situation that they could not remedy instead of putting the emphasis on LeBron James and Anthony Davis to beat them solely those two, that dynamic duo, they decided to play the game, which many coaches have played and failed against LeBron James, which is we will make everybody else beat us. Well, when you make everybody else beat us, you need to remember that LeBron James will make everybody else better than they normally are. And he consistently time and time again does that. So, I mean, really at this point in LeBron's career, there's nothing you can hold against him. There's, there's nothing you can hold against him. And I think the one thing that people should really remember LeBron for in memoriam, I mean, outside of all the playoff records, outside of all the NBA regular season records, I mean, this guy has done it all. It should be the fact that we have never, we've never seen a superstar talent of this caliber. So, willing, not even willing, so enthused to bring along the entirety of the team in this process. He needs the team to function at the highest level possible in order to be successful. And I think early in his career, we knocked LeBron a lot for that, you know, because we wanted him to be the Kobe Bryant, you know, the, the Allen Iverson, the, the assassin, you know, you, you are this talented behemoth freak of nature, go out there and impose your will play after play after play. And that's just not who LeBron is. And to his credit, he doesn't need to be, has his GM maneuverings always panned out. No, not necessarily. But what front office has never made a mistake? You know, there, there, there isn't one. So LeBron James is a front office of one. He continues to really, really make smart and high-level basketball decisions both on and off the court. And I look for that to continue. And I think for him, this will be a great, great challenge because Nikola Jokic, I mean, only 24 years old, so nowhere near the cerebral basketball mind LeBron James is, you know, maybe one day, but I mean, even that's a tall ask, but, but body wise, body wise, <laughs> body wise, LeBron's I mean, body looks 23. <laughs> Jokic looks God, like, yeah, Jokic. I mean, he has the body of a 40 year old and LeBron James looks like he could play for 40 more years. I mean, it's terrifying. Yeah. It's terrifying. So this is going to be a really, really fun series. So as far as what you're looking for on both sides of the ball, um, Nuggets and Lakers. Tell me about the Lakers. What do you think that the Lakers need to do in order to really come out in this first game tonight and take care of business? And then for the series, who do you think the if you had to identify an X factor for the Lakers, who do you think the X factor needs to be? Yeah, you know, honestly, I think this series boils down to do the Nuggets have an answer for LeBron that I, I think that's basically what every LeBron James series comes down to. And most of the time there is no answer for him. And that, and that's what causes you to lose because you know, the nuggets are, are an interesting team. They have Jokic and Murray are, are complement each other really well. Cause you have a score first point guard with like a pass first center. Usually it's the, the opposite. Um, and in their case, it's it's a center looking to distribute to a scoring guard, and they both do what they do really well. And and Murray is no slouch. He can he can pass when there's guys who are heating up, or he can take over the game. Jokic is the same way. He looks to get people involved, but if he can't, he takes over. And a lot of that is just like what LeBron does. Uh, but the difference is, you know, the Nuggets the Nuggets like Jokic can can handle AD a, a little bit, or they have. Plumley, you know, they have Millsap. They have some size that they can they can put on on AD to kind of slow him down. But do they have anyone to really slow down LeBron? Uh, I think they're really going to miss Will Barton in the series. I haven't seen any updates on his knee, but but it's not looking good. I I doubt he's back for this series at all. Um, I really wish the Nuggets had a, had a full health Will Barton because he's near All Star level player and he would add a whole other dimension to this team. He's another ball handler scorer that they can have off the bench. But I'm not going to spend any time on him. He's he's not coming back. I don't think. Um, so. As far as key to the series, the key for the Lakers, I think, is uh, LeBron 
LeBron taking on a little bit more of the scoring burden. I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of attention to AD because that's who the Nuggets can can slow down. There's going to be a lot of attention on Rondo and the, and the outside guys because the Nuggets have have a lot of good wing wing defenders like Torrey Craig and stuff like that. But I think it, LeBron's going to need to to uh, take over. Uh, more and and look to distribute less and look to take over more and then AD is going to have to really crash the boards and play defense and and look to get LeBron involved. Now the one guy I think who an X factor I'll, I'll go give you one for each team and I want to hear what you think about it. I think the X factor for Denver is Tory Craig, the guy I just mentioned. Really good wing defender, bulky guy, has some size. I think I think he can help slow down LeBron. He could be, for lack of a better uh, analogy, he could be Denver's uh, Andre Iguodala against against LeBron. And I, I think if he can slow down LeBron alone and limit the amount of double teams they have and they can double team, that allows them to double team AD, then I think they have a, have a shot. But if either AD or LeBron get it going against those one any one-on-ones that they get, um, watch out. The Lakers are going to take it. And the the X factor for the Lakers, I think, just like it has been, is Rajon Rondo. You know, if he could continue to play at the high level that he's playing at, and playoff Rondo can be there to be that other that other distributor, leaving leaving LeBron to be able to focus on playing offense. Uh, watch out, they're going to be really really tough. And just a final wild card I want to throw out there is Kyle Kuzma. If he can crash the boards and his shots falling, he gives them that extra scoring threat that the Lakers have been sort of looking for this whole time and, and couldn't find in waiters or J.R. Smith and Danny Green hasn't been doing anything. Um, Caldwell Pope's, you know, if he gets eight points, it's a great game. So I think if Kuzma can give you 15, 16 points, that's a really big, uh, a big help there. So what are your thoughts on that, David? Because I think I'm about to get attacked by, by little children here. <laughs> In my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, LeBron James is also about to get attacked by little children because there's going to be a lot of little boys trying to guard him. <laughs> and I think if LeBron is 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 smart, which he he is, time and time again, he's proven how smart he is. He will attack Denver in the low post um, because I don't think Jokic is going to be able to compromise. I think Jokic is going to play a lot of defense on Anthony Davis, um, and I wonder how the nuggets will adjust to LeBron trying to punish them in the post as far as potentially double teaming him. Uh, because I think just from a size perspective, there's really not a whole lot of guys who can go toe to toe with Braun on the low block for the nuggets. If I was trying to determine one X factor for the nuggets, I think it would have to be defensively. And I think it has to be Jeremy Grant. I think Jeremy Grant is a guy who has the size and requisite defensive acumen to at least try to slow LeBron down because you're never you're never going to stop him. I mean, sure. yeah. you're never going to stop him. So I think Jeremy Grant could be a guy who does that. You saw it in flashes during the series against the Clippers. He was really able to give Paul George and Kawhi Fitz, more specifically Kawhi, because it looks like Paul George showed up to the bubble with Fitz and now he's going home with him. So hopefully he figures out because <laughs> good God, man. Good God. But yeah, I think uh, I think Jeremy Grant. But yeah, like you said, Torrey Craig, I mean, for Denver, their X factor is going to have to be a wing player. Because that is where they are they are weakest. You know, they have a strong guard. They have a strong low post player. Who do you have on the wing? You have, like you said, Torrey Craig. You have Gary Harris. You have Jeremy Grant. Paul Millsap has some versatility, and I've really liked what they've done with him. Um, again, to your point, I think that'll be another good body that you can throw at Anthony Davis to try to slow him down, throw at a LeBron James to try to slow him down. But, you know, maybe Michael Porter Jr. has a breakout in this series. I think if Michael yeah. Porter Jr. steps up offensively and is consistent defensively, I don't even think he needs to step out of himself defensively. But if he is just present defensively, consistently, he can really cause some problems because he is a very oversized guard and the Lakers are incredibly lacking on the perimeter. So I wonder how all that plays out. And for the Lakers, I mean, yeah, X factors all around. I think. Rajon Rondo needs to have a good series, both defensively against Jamal Murray and offensively. And to his credit, I mean, I think working with Jason Kidd has really, really paid dividends for him as far as his jump shot, because you've kind of seen Rondo is not shooting. He's not jumping as much as he was previously on his jumper, and it's going in more consistently. And very mm -hmm. similarly, this is what Jason Kidd did at the pivot of his career, because, I mean, for those of us who are hoop heads, we already know the story, but for those of us who don't, 
when Jason Kidd came in the league, that man could pass, but he could not shoot to save his life. I mean, they would let him shoot, spot up shoot all day. And he had to completely reinvent his jump shot to make himself a legitimate threat. And the rest is kind of history as it goes. But I think that working with Jason Kidd is really paying dividends for Rondo. He needs to continue that consistent confidence in his jump shot because we never are really going to doubt his ability to play make or his ability to disrupt, uh, you know, the other offensive ball handler or distributor because he's a very, very skilled defender when he wants to be. And that's the big thing for the Lakers. I, I think this was a huge problem for the Clippers. They had no consistency. They had no mindfulness for the Lakers. You don't have to worry about that as much because you have a guy like LeBron James in that locker room, making sure everybody is locked in. But Kuzma is a guy who consistently I'm wondering how in the moment is he? Because he consistently makes or misses plays where it's like, you are out there with very limited responsibilities. Okay. You're out there with very limited responsibilities yet consistently you seem to forget what it is you are supposed to be doing. And this is a guy who the Lakers really need to be that third piece, not the third star, because I don't think that that's necessarily in the cards for Kuzma yet, but that third piece consistently and more so offensively consistent than anywhere else than anywhere else. Cause the Lakers second unit we have consistently seen struggles to put the ball in the hoop really really struggles to put the ball in the hoop and if kuzma can have some mindfulness offensively and help them maintain the rhythm that anthony davis and lebron james will get them into undoubtedly then this series should play out a lot more easily for the lakers who again are not going to have an overwhelming defensive test i think we expected the rockets or the portland trailblazers to give them a little bit more run for their money than they ultimately did but i think so far, this will probably be the biggest test for L.A. defensively, simply because of Nikola Jokic, who is a nightmare matchup. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to find out if if the Lakers are really this good or if or if Houston and Portland were really that bad. <laughs> and this will be the, the big test going into the finals for them. I also when you were talking there about Kuzma. You know, it does make you wonder if they had included him in that package for A.D. instead of Ingram what the Lakers would be looking right, looking like right now with LeBron, Brandon Ingram (laughs) and AD. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, in hindsight, look, I, I unloaded Ingram in a dynasty fantasy league before the season too. So I wasn't like, I'm super high on him and really regretted that. And I think the Lakers front office might be kind of feeling those same feelings uh, as far as, because Kuzma just has not developed like they had hoped into that, into that, you know, to score that you can't stop sort of where Michael, Michael Porter jr. Is kind of, you know, even developing past, uh, past Kuzma, you know, at this point, like I think Porter jr. Is going to be everything they hope Kuzma could be, but, but he's going to get past him. If Kuzma Kuzma has gone to Hollywood, I think it, you're right. It doesn't seem like his head's in yeah. the game. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, whenever players start, start, uh, start bleaching their hair, you know, it's bad news starting with, you know, and Rodman started doing that back in the day, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll see, man. I'm super hyped for, for this series, really hyped for the, the Boston Miami, you know, whatever the final's going to be, it's going to be a new, new it's going to be new teams there on both sides, which is going to be fun. I'm bummed. The Warriors had to have an off year, but, uh, but I'm happy they're you know, they're going to reload and excited for what they're going to do. But this, uh, you know, this this bubble has been really interesting and it's I'm really glad the basketball is back with everything that's been going on in 2020. And just to be able to have it to talk about and have these podcasts to listen to and these games to watch ha- have really, you know, helped improve my life, <laughs> my quality of life, just just having that going on. Um, so it's really cool that we have these fun teams with with great coaches and, and fun players uh, here to talk about down here at the end. So, you know, I, I couldn't be more excited about what's coming up. Yeah, absolutely. The, you know, credit to the NBA. Um, They pulled out all the stops with this bubble. Um, It's ebbed and it's flowed, but more so than anything, it has remained consistent. Um, You really got to give the NBA all the credit in the world being able to pull this off. Uh, And and the basketball has been phenomenal, uh, with the exception of the Los Angeles Clippers, who I will continue to drag until they figure their stuff out. Um, The basketball has been 
exceptional. Um, really, really love to see it. Lots of cool stories coming out of the bubble. Lots of new faces. And you know, like you said, we're going to get two new teams. We're getting a brand new. We're going to get a brand new rivalry in the NBA Finals here. Um, so that's that's really all you could ask for in a, in a year that has been it's been rough. It has been rough. This bubble yeah. has been has been a blessing. Um, so really, really shout out Adam Silver. Shout out all the players in the bubble. Um, shout out the whole league. I mean, everybody, uh, all of our analysts who've been participating in this, who've been doing coverage, um, games have been all over the place. Have been sporadic. I mean, it, it's it's really been fun. It's really been awesome. Um, and it, and it's all we could ask for, you know, coming out of the out of that pandemic hiatus. So really, really excited about the NBA Finals uh, right around the corner here at the end of the month. So, man, well, Brent. I think we talked about it all, man. We got about 30 minutes till tip off left. Uh, yep. You got, you got anything coming up? I know you said that you got a, another around the association this weekend. Uh, you want to give the people a little preview about what you're going to be talking about with Doug? Sure. Yeah. Um, so Doug and I, who, you know, from, from the show as well, uh, we do a, a weekend, a weekend version of NBA today. So it's on the NBA today podcast. Uh, but we call it uh NBA around the association where we say we're bringing you all the news from inside the bubble, from outside the bubble. Um, and we don't focus as much on, on the box scores and the numbers. We, we talk more about, uh, things that are going on, uh, like coaching changes and, player news and any controversies that are going on. We like to, we like to touch on that stuff. Um, and I know we both like uh, chipping in here with, with David and, and talking, talking about stats and the numbers and the actual games too. So um, if you're looking for just sort of more general news about what's going on in the NBA, you know, uh, check us out um, every weekend on around the association. Absolutely. You heard the man, go ahead and give it a listen, give it a follow, subscribe, five star review. Uh, tell the people where they can follow oh, you at uh, Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could find me on Twitter. Um, I'm at Brent Middleman. Uh, so Brent Middleman. Uh, I call it that. It's since I'm a middle-aged middle manager in Middle America in a midlife crisis. <laughs> um, that's how I lead into my uh, my YouTube channel <laughs> that I have called The Middleman because um, I'm all those middle things these days. At 42 years old, living in Arizona. Um, you know, uh, with a bunch of kids. So I totally, it's, it's not made up. That's me. Uh, so, so check me out on Twitter, uh, with, you know, sports stuff, fantasy slots of fantasy sports stuff, fantasy football, uh, jokes and stuff. And then on my channel, I do, uh, like breakdowns of the boys TV show, Lovecraft country, the TV show on HBO. Um, so lots of different stuff like that on my, on my YouTube channel too. So yeah, David, thank you so much for, for having me on and, and let me talk about my stuff. And every time I look forward to this every week, man. Yeah, man, absolutely. Same here. The feeling is definitely mutual. And for all of our hoopball listeners out there, you heard the man content on content. The middle man needs a million fans. Get him there. Okay? <laughs> yes, sir. Get, get him there. That's right, people. So as always, follow me on Twitter, DFB underscore three. We'll be back with another edition of our box score breakdown. Uh, Lakers game getting ready to tip off here in about 30 minutes. Game one against the Denver Nuggets, Western Conference Finals. Uh, game three of the Eastern Conference Finals right around the corner here. I believe tomorrow evening looking like uh, looking like 830 Eastern. So lots of basketball. And then we'll have a Sunday day of rest, day of relaxation, uh, possibly a day of frustration depending on if you're a Boston Celtics fan. Oh, and plenty of football. So plenty of football right around the corner. As always, thank you to everybody tuning in to today's episode. Thank you, Brent, for hopping on another pod. We look forward to doing this with you again next week. Hoopball family, stay safe, stay happy, and keep hooping. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye, everyone. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.